Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 3 of Season 5 Movie Our Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action film Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Jay Cluitt of the Deep Blue Sea Podcast and the Con Air Podcast. Welcome back to the show, Jay. I just Let me put some clothes on a second for this. Uh, apologies for the camera. If, if you must, you know. <laughs> You know, maybe maybe you want to go see Leonard Atkins, who's in a warmer climate. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> I, I should definitely put some clothes on before doing that. Probably. Probably. So minute three begins with a pan of the inside of the airport and ends with a news report that gives us lots of exposition. Yes, we uh, we see a lot in this chapter. <laughs> Thankfully, we, we, we don't see too much. <laughs> That's that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> yes. It depends on how far you zoom, I guess. I don't know. Whatever you do on your own time, Jay, that that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I stay away from those type of things. But everyone has their own personal preference, so that, that that's okay. <laughs> well, I, I I hear that if you look close enough, you can see William Sadler's Shawshank and his Redemption. Ooh. Possibly. Look out for his Grim Reaper. <laughs> that's right <laughs> so the, yesterday we ended things by uh, John entering the airport and we heard some uh, carols and now the carol changes and we actually hear the, the song Carol of the Bells are you familiar with that uh, Christmas carol? I think it is in Home Alone uh, but okay. uh, it is one I am less familiar with it, I, I'm more familiar with We Wish You Merry Christmas yeah. Right. Um, I know of it. Okay, it's a very so, kind of operatic. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, it was it was written by the uh, Ukrainian composer Mykola Leontovich in 1914, and they actually adapted it in 1922. They did an English version of it um, in order to, you know, I guess people people in America could could get more of an, uh, more pleasure out of it. You know, by understanding what what the lyrics are, I'm not going to go into all the, the you know, about what type of of uh, music it is. That stuff I'll leave for David. He he knows this stuff better than I do. You know, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I don't even understand. I could read it, and I just want to understand what it's talking about about the the signature and the timing and all that stuff and the the number of notes. Uh, there are lots of notable recordings of this. Uh, you have from 1962 and even in 1990. You have Winton Marsalis. Uh, he he recorded a version of it um, that was done with uh, the roll of bells being carried by brass. Again, I don't know what that means. Uh, John Williams did a version of this also in 1990. For Home Alone. Yeah. For Home Alone, exactly. Uh, you know, not for Dyer, but Home Alone is still fine. No. <laughs> uh, David Foster did a, did a version of it in 1983. Are you familiar with David Foster's work? I... I don't think I am. So he's he's done some great movie songs. He did you ever see the movie Stealing Home? No, never even heard of it. With Jodie Foster and Mark Harmon. It's actually a baseball film. Very good. (laughs) What a guess! It's a guess. I said I know. I realized it was a guess. (laughs) It's a sport term I know. Yes. Uh, Um, He did music for The Bodyguard, Saint Elmo's Fire, Secret of My Success. Uh, So yeah, he's 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 done some 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 great stuff. over time, so I, I've 
I've heard of him before. So to see him jump out here as, you know, on the, you know, on this list is great. I, I know he did the, the, the theme song in the Ever See Secret of My Success. Uh, I, no, I haven't. With uh, Michael J. Fox and Helen Slater. I, I'm aware of it, but I haven't seen it. No. Oh, okay. So that, that, that's a fun movie. And so he, he sings the, the, the main song there, which is called uh, The Price of Love, which he wrote, uh, and it was sung by uh, Roger Daltrey. And also the song uh, The Secret of My Success, which was performed by Night Ranger. So those, those are two great songs that, that I've, I've always enjoyed. Yes. So he did the, uh, the instrumental for, for uh, Stealing Home. And then the theme song of the movie is When She Danced that he also uh, wrote, and it was performed by Marilyn Martin and David Foster. He did the singing of it also. So, yeah. So, yes, he also did Secret of My Success. So he he's one of the people who did uh, a version of Carol and the Bells. Uh, you have a whole bunch of others, but uh, I don't think we really need to get into any of them at this point. Uh, as you said, Home Alone is probably the most famous one. And the, that version is, uh, it went very high. And you'll, you'll be happy to hear that there's another version that was a Muppets version of the song. Yes, I am aware of that as well, yes. Ah, you are. In 2009, so there's a parody of uh, songs that, uh, you know, Animal is very much a part of. And uh, this actually became a, a viral video uh, during the Christmas season. Yeah, there's a, a a bell dropping on speaker, I think. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. And then, uh, you know, John continues walking, and we hear someone scream from the side. Yeah, I know that, Larry. And then uh, he walks up to a a uh, you know he like tries to brush off the the snow from his coat, which, as we talked about earlier this week, is fake snow. Uh, it's probably <laughs> paper. Yep. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he walks past the uh, British Airways ticket encounter. Now, I found this interesting. Yesterday, we talked about the fact that they had the fake counter for NEA. You know, so now why are they giving us a real one for British Airways as opposed to, you know, later on, we're going to find out that there is a different, uh, you, have, you have Windsor Air. You know, it would have been, would have been better if they showed us Windsor Air, isn't it? I, well, there, there's multiple British Airlines, I guess. The, the, I mean, they show us Windsor Air because that plane goes down and, uh, and stays down. Yes. Uh, whereas they they wouldn't want to do that with a real you know, flight. And uh, is NEA is that the flight that Holly's on? Yes. Yeah. So I, I guess they can they can show like real airline companies when they're not putting them in a negative manner. Right. <laughs> Right. Okay. No, obviously they, they, you know, no, I don't think there any real airline was willing to allow them to use their names here, so which, which is why it surprises me that they actually have here, you know, the, the, the name of, of British air. I see. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that's uh, the thing. I, my, my, my thought was, is that they would, you know, every one of the airlines they used here were fake airlines. I mean, I believe the Japanese airline that we see is a fake airline. I don't remember currently, currently what the name of the airline is. Uh, we'll, we'll get there in a few in a few weeks. You know that that's the idea. They can't use real airlines for these type of things, especially when dealing with disasters. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to see that. <laughs> yeah. And then John walks by an information booth, 
and we hear a TV that's on next to the 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 woman in the the ticket booth. Her her name is Connie uh, Lillian Thiemann. She only has three uh, IMDb credits. Uh, interestingly enough, the other two credits besides this movie are on LA Law and NYPD Blue. You know, NYPD Blue with uh, Dennis Franz and LA Law because John's in LA. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. It's got one in LA, one in DC, one in New York. That's right. She works in the big cities. Yeah, apparently. Um, you know, she's, she's, the, both of them are polite to one another the way that they talk. You know, he, uh, he says, hi, where are the telephones? And she says, right over there. Thank you very much. But the important thing here is to listen to what's going on on the TV. She has a little TV next to her that is giving us more exposition as to what's going on in this movie. So we hear someone say snow flurries along the northeast sea, northeastern seaboard. And then continues by saying Leonard Atkins is in a warmer climate with a story that grows hotter by the minute. And then it switches to the reporter, uh, Leonard Atkins. saying security was tight today at Escalon Airport in Valverde, where government authorities report that deposed General Ramon Esperanza. And as we're talking, the, the scene is going to change uh, slightly. And now we're in a motel room where we're listening to, to the rest of this. Now I'm just going to read through the, the rest of, of the information, and then we'll, we'll talk about what's actually going on here. So he says, uh, where government authorities report that deposed General Ramon Esperanza will be delivered to the extradition to the U.S. Only two years ago, General Esperanza led his country's army in a campaign against communist insurgents, a campaign fought with American money and advisors. Esperanza's fall from power caused ripples in his country's recent election and closer to home as well, when high-ranking Pentagon officials were charged with supplying him. And then that, that, that'll be the end of the dialogue this minute. But we're not here to talk about the dialogue, are we? Well, <laughs> before we move on, I have found out who played Leonard Atkins. Uh, it's, it's played by uh, Bob Brown, B-R-A-U-N, who is a radio and TV personality. Uh, born in 1929, passed away in 2001. Uh, he was indicted, in, inducted into the Cincinnati Radio Hall of Fame in 1993. In, inducted or indicted? Inducted. Okay. Inducted. You said indicted. Uh, <laughs> I did. That was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's, he was in three films. He was in Die Hard 2. He was in The Skin. And he was in Defending Your Life, which he played to, a talk show host in 91. Ah, he's known. It just calls him a newscaster. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. He's a TV and radio host. He had, he had the Bob Brown show from 67 to 84. He had the highest Arbitron and Nielsen ratings of any live entertainment information program in the Midwestern United States. Oh, wow. How, now, how did you figure out that this is him? I Googled uh, Leonard Adkins Die Hard 2, and it came up with the Die Hard Wiki. A fandom ah, page, which okay. has has that credit as him being played by Bob. Okay, Brown. all right, very good. Uh, thank you, thank you for that, yeah. Jake. I I was looking at IMDb and it says newscaster, so I thought it was you know later on one of the other newscasters. I wasn't sure uh, which one it was, and when I tried looking up who Bob Brown was, I didn't find anything. So, thank you, thank you for that. So I I appreciate that. No worries. Yes, but as you say, we're we're not here to talk about. Uh, no reporting. We're here to talk about mm. William Sadler's bear. That's right. So. As this is all happening, we have a character who we don't know who he is yet. Um, anyone who's familiar with the actor, William Sadler, who has been in many movies, uh, 
you know, he was in a number of Stephen King uh, adaptations, including Shawshank, including The Green Mile. Uh, he was. He's a Frank Marshall guy. Yeah. He was in uh, uh, this movie, obviously. He was also in in uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He's the president in Iron Man Three. Correct. Yes. I love William Sadler. <laughs> he's he's yes. He's just he's one of those. He's one of like that guy. He's one of one of the first kind of that guys. I feel like I loved Shawshank as a kid and Green Mile and uh, all kinds of things. He just he just one of those guys. I was like, oh, is him? He's in this one. Yeah. I mean, I I reached out to him, but he didn't respond to me yet. I'm still waiting for him to respond. No, hopefully he will. I hope so too. But he he trained for like seven months a shape for yes. this, this for role. No, what do you for this role? For, the, for, for, sorry, this, for this scene. scene. <laughs> for this scene, he did it. Which uh, I, I saw an interview with him. He did not know he was going to be nude until uh, the costume fitting, in quotes, uh, where he he didn't re- he thought it was just going to be like yeah, exercising in a hotel room, fine. Uh, but when when he found out like oh no, you're going to be naked, uh, he he requested that it be pushed to the end of the shoot, yeah, uh, so that he could uh, get in better shape. Which I think that's a lot of commitment for what is like less than a minute of screen time of him him being naked. Yeah, and it's it is an odd decision, but I think I think it worked. Yeah. So I mean, I I know that you've been waiting a very long time to talk about this. Um, ever since we did Die Hard, even probably even before when when my first thought was to automatically jump into Die Hard too. So probably for about a year, you've been waiting to talk about the fact that he is doing naked Tai Chi. Well, yeah. So I I am always very happy to be the first guest on your shows, which but it also means I never get to pick what minutes I get, where some of your other guests might or you might assign them. I feel like even if I wasn't your first guest always on these on these shows, I would still have been assigned. I was probably still would have picked uh, the William Sadler introduction for Die Hard 2. So there you Just go. Because, it worked out. You see, yeah, it worked yeah, out well. It worked out nicely. Just because this is, I think, for me, the most memorable aspect of the film the most memorable aspect is the fact that it opens with with a man naked doing tai chi. I mean, yes. Okay. As, as villain introductions go, if you don't know, this is the villain of the film. This is Colonel Stewart. It's pretty goddamn memorable. Um, <laughs> I, I I know that. Yes, you have Alan Rickman. I first see him in an elevator or approaching the elevator. It's it's still a good introduction. I would argue this is a better villain intro from the Die Hard franchise. Because it's, it's, it's just so, so crazy and out there. That's that's what it comes down to. Yes, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sure there are some people who do naked Tai Chi in a hotel room. Fine, whatever. But it's such a bizarre way to introduce your one of your main characters in a way mm-hmm. that never pays off. Like it's he does there are some he does do some martial arts towards the end of the film. We, we this shows he's kind of a, a driven, determined, focused guy. But he's doing Tai Chi naked in a hotel room, watching a a, a news uh, article about the guy he's yeah. trying to save. Spoiler alert! Um, and like the look of like the furious determination on William Sadler's face as he's doing it, it it's, it's ridiculous. Yes. And I, no, I, I definitely agree with you on that point. That point, for sure. And the fact that he's he spent so like seven months training for this for these like thirty seconds. Yes. Yeah, you think that that's the kind of training that that would go into 
Chris Hemsworth in a Thor film these days where he's half naked for the entire film. This but is he's not doing Tai Chi. <laughs> he's not doing Tai Chi. Maybe, maybe he is in, in his training, but I just, I just love that that's how we introduced this guy. Right. Okay. Uh, that's fair. I, I, I do. I, I am a big fan of the transition as well of how we get from uh, John McClane walking through an airport to him of like, yes, he talks. He talks to the lady at the desk. She's watching the news on her TV. Should she be doing that at work? Probably not. I don't know. Uh, but then I guess we all sometimes do things at work that we're not supposed to be doing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, and so essentially, she is uh, uh, looking at a news article about why flying into their airport later that day so it could be it's relevant i guess yes uh but she, she's looked watching the tv we kind of zoom out we cut to another guy watching the tv the same tv uh, on the ground he happens to and be on the same look, channel <laughs> exactly but then he's not he's not completely naked he's still wearing his ring and his gold watch and when his hand, ah, if someone is wearing a ring and a, and a gold watch so they're not naked the, they are articles <laughs> of clothing okay uh, I don't know. I don't know if they're articles of color. They're ornaments. Dog, let's say my my dog isn't naked. He's wearing a collar. Uh, <laughs> and but he's got a lot of fur. <laughs> uh, he, he had a groom yesterday. He's got less than he had. Uh, but I, I love. The, it's not just that he's doing naked touchy. Our first introduction to this guy is his hands being thrust into the screen yes. with a, a real a real musical cue, sting of. Ding! It comes out of it's very it's jarring and it's surprising that it's 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 I just love this intro for this character. It's great. Okay, no, I agree. I think I think it's great, but 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 like you said, I'm I'm disappointed from the just as you are that that this doesn't pay off anywhere else besides having one fight on the wing of an airplane. Yeah, yeah. I, this is a problem I have with Die Hard Two is the villains aren't as good as in Die Hard's one three maybe even four since there's too many they have they have it'll come up later on but there's kind of too many and they all do a little bit and there's no like big this is the main bad guy Correct. this is who we're okay, that's here. True. but that, that's it's part of the the surprise of the movie and stuff like that by doing it that way you know that it's a team <clears throat> so I, I don't know it's i, when, I hear what you're saying about die that hard, for sure when die hard 2 first one movie of the month over on the Lambcast christmas special the term we came up with for the bad guys was a sphincter of art. Yes. There's so many lower level bad guys in this film, but no no main one. I have to credit Will Slater for explaining how to come up with that term. Uh, still one of my favorite things he's ever come up with. Uh, as a collective <laughs> term for art. Yes. It's true. It makes sense. Right. So. Here he's doing the, this Tai Chi. We're not really sure why he's doing the Tai Chi, but but what's good is is it shows that that he's he's calm, or he's calming himself about what he's about to do. You know, which yeah. we don't know yet what he's about to do. We'll find that out uh, over the course of the next few weeks what exactly his his plans are. But uh, and the shape he's in, you can kind of assume this is like a daily morning ritual for him. He just kind of gets up. Does his tai chi, has a shower, gets dressed, and goes about his day of terrorizing airports. Right, but we also don't know what time it is because you know when John is outside because of all the snow, you can't really tell if it's you know is it just overcast or is it you know towards dusk. Who knows? Uh, you said, so this you isn't something he's doing his first thing he's, in the morning. He's wearing a watch. God damn it! 
And, and you can kind of just about see, it looks to be about quarter past four. Sorry, no, quarter to four. Given it's a difficult angle to look at that watch. I think I think the minute hand is looking around the nine to ten region and the hour hand is between the three and the four. So that would make it, yeah, about three, three forty five, three fifty in the afternoon. Okay, which which makes like, sense. Is my guess. Yeah. You know. It it also means that Holly is not working on Friday. She took the day off. Because in order to take the red she's not taking a red eye that's gonna show up first thing in the morning. I, I she strikes me as somebody who'd work on a plane. Well, we know she's working on the plane, but still she's you know, she's not in the office. Yes, true. So uh, oh hang on, there is no, I, I thought I was scanning back through the minute, and I thought I saw the time somewhere else, but it's not. It's it's flight, it's flight information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's flight information. Yeah. I mean, maybe tomorrow we'll get to see when when the when his beeper goes off. Maybe there's a time that is stated there, but I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. We'll find out tomorrow. That's right. So they mentioned Valverde. Okay, I'm assuming you've heard of Valverde before. Uh, it's uh, is it some kind of like a source? No. So Valverde is a fictional country um, that is constantly used by Hollywood writer and producer Stephen E. De Souza, which it's a a South or Central American locale. Uh, they couldn't use real ones, <laughs> so they, they he made one up. The first appearance of this, the name of this uh, country, was in Commando. I just had to say, Valverde is also the brand of a pasta sauce. It could That's be. where I got that from. <laughs> okay. It, the name translates as a green valley. Yep, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it actually has appeared in many TV and movies, maybe TV shows and movies. So first one, obviously, is is Commando. Okay. The the uh, the character played by Dan Hedaya is the former r- ruler of Valverde, and he's the one who sends Matrix to kill the current president. Uh, or he's trying to send Matrix to kill the first president, the, the current president. But, you know, eventually, somehow, uh, John Matrix gets to a different country where Don Hedaya is. That's where he kills everybody. You know, but Valverde is the country where he's supposed to be uh, taking over the, you know, killing killing the, the current president. Um, he carries a he, giant tree the entire time. It's an odd, yes, odd choice. Yes, just... that's true. Very the TV show Supercarrier has an episode where uh, one of the where in one of the episodes they actually uh, dock in the country Valverde just as civil war is breaking out. Uh, this movie, obviously, we deal with Valverde. The TV show Adventures Inc. There was a uh, uh, an episode that was titled Plague Ship of Valverde. In the uh, in the comic book Sheena. It takes place in Valverde. Now, according to D'Souza, he believes that Predator takes place in Valverde. They never really mention what country that uh, that takes place in. There's a movie that you might have heard of called Jurassic Attack, which takes place entirely in Valverde. We'll see this film. No, okay. There's there's a horror film called The Theta Girl, Theta Girl, uh, which uh, things take place in uh, the quote-unquote whole country of Valverde. The TV show NCIS has an episode where um, they travel to Valverde, or they mention it. And uh, then in the movie uh, Commando Ninja, one of the places, one of the settings in the movie is uh, 
he's in the country of Valverde. So it's really interesting that that he, you know, creates this this fake locale in order. You know, it's like a general South slash Central American country that you can do whatever you want with. Well, one of the actors from Jurassic Attack is Vernon Wells from Commando. Ah, there you go. He will only work on films set in Valverde. Yeah. Does he die in that one too? Probably. Uh, Agent Grimaldi is his name. That's something someone who's going to die. It's a possibility. That's very true. Basically, one of the things that they they allude to here, and we'll we'll get more into it as the the movie goes on, but they allude to, to... the, basically the Iran-Contra affair and uh, Panama with the Noriega. The whole idea of, of you know, sending weapons, the, the U.S. sending weapons to a, uh, a South-slash-Central American country and then dealing with drugs also because that was part of what Noriega did and stuff like that. So I, I find it interesting that they, you know, this, this all happened right around that time. I mean, Panama was 1989. So, you know, and... William Sadler's uh, character, Colonel Stewart, is supposedly similar to uh, Colonel Oliver North, who was a big part of the Iron Contra affair. But we'll, we'll get more into that uh, later on, not not in this episode. So, Jay, you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into the script? Uh, no. All right. No, I do not. Okay. So the the script is 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 very uh, descriptive here. So it starts off with uh, Christmas music wafting through the building from a school choir perched in front of a massive three-story window. Uh, Blasé travelers pause in their hectic rush to applaud the angelic voices. McLean shoves his way through some people. When they glare at him, he quickly applauds the kids. Pulls up in an information booth. The girl there is watching a little TV on the shelf out of sight from the public. So there you go. That's how she's doing it while she's working. She's making sure that nobody sees it. The newscaster says, and the white Christmas may be here for a while if that new storm front moves from the metro area this afternoon as predicted. So, again, that wasn't really needed. You know, they, they, they did it better in the in the movie where they just say snow flurries along the northeastern seaboard. Gives us an idea that, that there is snow happening. And then uh, later on when Leonard Atkins is, is talking, he says uh, – uh, security was tight today at Escalon Airport in the Republic of Valverde, where government authorities escorted General Ramon Esperanza to the military transport that will bring him to the United States to stand trial for narcotics trafficking. So there, it's very succinct explaining what it is that he did. And then it changes, and it says a hand thrusts in front of the camera, fingers clenching and curling oddly. A half-naked man is doing Tai Chi exercises. This is Colonel William Stewart, USA Retired. His body is hard with scars from knives and bullets. And then it continues with the newscaster. And then it says, it, it, it calls Esperanza. It says, only two years ago, the controversial general led his country's army. And then it says at the end, pictures change, picture changes to some Washington steps. The American colonel we just saw exits a federal building with some junior officers and attorneys avoids reporters. So... You know, according to the script, they're they're making it so that we know for a fact that it's Stuart who's uh, you know who's who's on all these files uh, in these the, the pictures that they show here because this is something that that you know that we're, we're not clear of unless they specifically say it. But it's not really something you can do. There's not much you can do for this to change the idea. So yeah, that that's all I got for the script. Yeah. So. 
every uh, Wednesday, we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track Airplane Airport Edition, where my guests will give some sort of story, anecdote, uh, adventure, misadventure, something that happened to them over the course of their life that has something to do with an airport or, or an airplane. So, Jay, you got a story for us? Yeah, I've, I've been quite fortunate to, to fly a lot. I love flying. Uh, but I haven't had a lot of like terribly interesting things happen on planes or airports. But uh, when we did, I think it was planes, trains, automobiles, we did uh, travel stories. And I think I mentioned that I've, yes. had to, uh, I've been to China. England, Twice. Twice, yes, with work. And the second yeah. time. Yeah, I remember that. The second time <laughs> I went on my own, first time with my boss. And the I was there for like two weeks. Horrible time I had. The intention was to bring back a suitcase full of parts. Uh, we were full getting, of parts? Parts. Uh, we, I, I work for uh, an engineering company that made plastic components. We had to get some, some components made in China. We had to work perfectly uh, to go over there and oversee their production. And then come back with a suitcase full of them because we, we needed them urgently. Uh, and the company that we, were, that we were working with were quite lax in terms of uh, their... Uh, customs, shall we say, like how you, how you go through things to declare. And they gave me a receipt of like, this is just like 20 quid's worth of stuff. And I had to say to them, no, 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 please put the correct amount of stuff on here because everyone had been joking that I'm going to get caught in customs and sent to prison uh, for like trafficking goods, which it was all completely legal and above board, but you know how people are. <laughs> uh, so I, I insisted yeah. that they put the right value. Everything went fine in terms of getting the goods back. But I ended up having to be at Hong Kong airport for like six hours. So I was so paranoid I was going to miss my flight and everything. So I just put my suitcase in. And I had to do a podcast when I got home on the uh, the yeah, Magnificent Seven and its remakes. So I ended up watching Battle Beyond the Stars, a bad film, on, an, on a small laptop in Hong Kong airport whilst I was waiting there for a flight, which didn't go well. Also, I love I love flying. Um, and that's, that's a bad film to watch like in public. There's a lot of shots of near nudity and kind of lascivious shots and things just to watch in public it feels a bit odd and a bit off but i'm dedicated to my podcast so i did it anyway so i found a little corner in Hong Kong airport and watched it on a laptop as i'm sure roger corman intended uh, i'm I, sure i love flying so much that i i love watching films on planes uh it's always i mean i love being like stuck in a metal tube for, for 12 hours all you could do is watch films that's heaven to me and so i i also I didn't want to miss out on any of that, but it had been quite such a long day. I thought, oh, I'm going to fall asleep on this plane. So I took a Pro Plus, like a caffeine pill, so that I'd stay awake for the, the entirety of the flight just to watch films. Seems like a ridiculous decision. But I ended up Not at all. sat down on the plane. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but I ended up like getting on the plane, sat down, and I just passed out. I just fell asleep because I was so tired. And this is a, the best way to have a nap, apparently, is to take a caffeine pill when you're tired. You'll have like a 20 minute nap and then you're awake for ages. That's exactly what happened. I missed the entire takeoff. Like, I just woke up and we were in the air like an hour into the flight. It was great. I loved it. And I just watched films for the rest of the flight. So it's not the most like exciting story. All these things kind of made it uh, an eventful time for me, that, that one flight. Very cool. And I just watched I like a that. bunch of films. I like that. I watched <laughs> Great. And I was like upgraded to premium economy for the only time ever. An actual cutlery. Oh, wow. An actual China plate on a plane. In, from her. China. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. That's right. Yeah. All right. Great. Thank you very much for that story, Jay. Do you want to once again tell people where they can find Jay Cluett? I mean, I'd much rather do my Harlan Hump Day top five Ronnie Harlan films, which I feel like should be done 
for at least me being on the Okay, show. you can I'm, do that. I'm there you hi- go. Hijack your show. For Not a, a problem. Go number ahead. five. Pr- number five. Prison. His audition for making Light Rain on Street Four. A wonderful film with a young Viggo Mortensen. Uh, Long Kiss Goodnight is number four. Number three, Mind Hunters. No one else would have Mind Hunters in the top five really hard films, but I really liked Mind Hunters. There's a lot of uh, incredible deaths in that film. Yes. Um, Puppeteers. Puppeteers. Number two, so. yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, the liquid nitrogen death. The cigarette. Death. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful film. <laughs> uh, number two, Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger, fantastic film. Uh, so I think you're a fan of Cliffhanger. Yes. Yeah. And you'll never guess my number one. It's, it's Dick Lucy. It's a shark film. It's the perfect film. What do you think? Die Hard 2 is not even on the film on, on the list. None of my top none of my top five really hard. You films. like no, prison more than you like this? I wow. did. Prison surprised me. I like I hey, I like them both fine. But I went into prison thinking is this gonna be a terrible film. And it, it ended up like there's, there's a barbed wire takes on a mind of its own and kills a guy. Okay. In prison. Right. Well, I, at least Fort Fairlane that is not happen to Die Hard 2. <laughs> uh, I mean that would, it would be in my top ten. Okay. Yeah, Die Hard 2 will be above Ford Valley. Oh, okay, that's good to know. I think Die Hard 2 is probably number Yeah, seven. I reached out also to Rennie seven. Harland. He didn't respond yet, so I'm still waiting. Yeah, still waiting. been there. Been there. <laughs> we had, a, we had uh, a guy on from Empire Magazine who mentioned our podcast to Rennie Harland, and I then emailed Rennie Harland's publicist and nothing. Uh, he's a busy Apparently. guy. Apparently, yes. I don't think he does many podcasts. That, what can you do? That's all right. I'm still waiting for Rob Reiner to get back to me. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's the same uh, same criteria there. I don't think I've never heard Rob Reiner on a podcast. Yeah, that's true. I'm 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 yeah. I'm jealous. You know, of Bubbleweed who was able to was able to get Stephen Tobolowsky. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Me too. I'm, hey, he does a lot of podcasts. Yes. So that's that's good. Yeah, that's that is true. That is true. But he, unfortunately, he's not in any of the movies that I've been doing, so it's a problem. Well, you need to do uh, sneakers. Uh, yeah, sneak, sneakers minute is what you need to do. That's better than what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jay, you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yes, of course. That's where it started. Um, let's go with lifeversusfilm.com is my personal blog. Uh, not a lot happens there, but I wrote a review yesterday. I was going to say that. Yeah. I was going to say I saw you wrote a review yesterday. There you go. It's so a, you have at least one a, review in 2023. Yeah, so and which is I mean one review in the past two years, um, but it happens now and then. My main aim over there is the one thousand one movies you must see before you die list. Uh, I've recently crossed the lighthouse off of that list. Film I enjoyed more than you did. Much more. <laughs> uh, Mississippi, um, Mississippi Burning Minute was what I was going to suggest you do, Mister Wolowski. <laughs> not, not a good film to do. It, it's a great movie, but I, I don't uh, miss, that, that's not one that I would have on my list uh, to do. No, I don't think it would be a fun experience to do it. No. Let's see here, lifeversfilm.com, and then you can find me on, on Twitter at lifevsfilm as well. All right, and finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, and you can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. So until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay. If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, Quaint little villages here and